Was trading for Eugenio Suarez the right move by the D-backs, or should they have gone after one the free agent third baseman? Discussing that on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on to get started. I'm your host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. Been hosting this pod since 2020. Now the D-backs are on the precipice of one of the biggest off-seasons in franchise history after coming off a World Series appearance. And they just made a big move by trading for Juanio Suarez, which we're going to be talking about on today's podcast. But before we get there, just want to say thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends and please hit subscribe to Locked On Diamondbacks on YouTube. But now let's get into the podcast. Let's talk about the Suarez trade. Hopefully everyone had a good Thanksgiving. This trade happened right before the holidays. And I'm super grateful for Mike Hazen for pulling off a deal like this. Because even though Eugenio Suarez is a flawed player, he's still an upgrade over the D-backs current situation. And I kind of just want to go through the pros and cons of Suarez the flaws in his game because like I said he's not a perfect player he is a flawed player so we'll start with those cons talk about the weaknesses in his game the vulnerabilities in his game then we'll talk about how he is an upgrade over the D-backs current third base situation and how this is a win for the organization so let's first start with the Suarez cons because the first thing you notice when you look at that baseball reference for Suarez There's a lot of bold, and all the bold is in one column under his baseball reference, under the strikeouts, because three of the last five years in the American League, or not in the American League, just in baseball, because he was traded from the Cincinnati Reds to the Seattle Mariners. So in 2019, he played for the Reds, led the National League in strikeouts, then the last two years, 2022 and 2023, has led the American League in strikeouts. Three of the last five years, Suarez has led his league in the strikeouts. He is a strikeout machine, which is probably the biggest weakness when looking at his game. The dude strikes out a ton for his career, 27% K rate. And over the last two years, his strikeout percentage has been above 30%. So when you're watching a Suarez, he's a little bit of a feast or famine player. He's a little bit of one of those home run or strikeout type of dudes, which is, I think, okay for what the D-backs current third base situation is. And Suarez is someone that definitely strikes out a ton. He's also someone that is brought in for his power profile, but he is coming off a down power season. If you take out the 2020 COVID-shortened season, 
This was Soros' lowest power output since 2016 when he hit 21 home runs for the Cincinnati Reds. He had 22 home runs this past season, which is still a pretty good mark considering the D-backs third baseman power situation this past year. But 22 home runs in 162 games. Just didn't see the power that we normally see from Soros. He had 31 home runs in 2022, 31 home runs in 2021. We'll look past 2020. But you look at 2019, 49 home runs. Despite coming off the down power season, you still feel pretty good that there's potential for bounce back with Soros. You still feel like, yeah, there's still that 30 to 40 home run potential with him. Maybe he's coming off a down season. Maybe it was a weird year in Seattle. Like, there's a lot of just offensive players. You you look at that lineup for Seattle this past season. That just had weird years. The Julio Rodriguez's, like, he ended up finishing really well. But those first three months of the season, four months of the season for Julio, not very good, right? The T. Oscar Hernandez of the world had a pretty weird season in Seattle, too. Like, I think a lot of their offense players just really didn't have a good season. And maybe there was something with the coaching staff, their philosophy to their approaches at the plate. I don't know what it was, but I think it was just a weird season offensively for a lot of those Seattle players. And maybe Suarez is a casualty of what was going on in that environment. So I would like to think Suarez, the 22 home runs, I would like to think that's not the number we're going to see going forward. I would like to believe he still has that over 30 home run potential still in there. Um, He's not great with runners in scoring position, men on the bases, or high leverage moments. So that is going to be an issue. Soares is not a super clutch player. So he might be giving you a little Christian Walker vibes where it's a lot of solo home runs, a lot of home run. Maybe when there's a guy on first base, maybe he strikes out a ton of runners in scoring position. Like we might be getting another Christian Walker-esque player in a Suarez, but even if that's so, we still thought Christian Walker was arguably the MVP of the D-backs this past season if there wasn't a Corbin Carroll. We still all think Christian Walker is an all-star level player despite not making an all-star team we think he's still an all-star level player we still think christian walker is a rock star so even suarez is a guy that's hitting a lot of solo home runs and not coming through as much as you would like in the middle of the order or with runners in scoring position suarez is still someone that put up 96 rbis last year and that's with struggling in those clutch situations. So imagine if he gets a little bit better in those clutch situations with his already 96 RBIs that he just had. There's potential for Suarez to have a monster run-producing season next year for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And then my last struggle, he struggles against breaking and off-speed pitches. When you look at his numbers in his career against those kind of pitches, specifically even last year, in 2023, he batted below 200 against both breaking balls and off-speed pitches. Just not good enough. And that's been the case throughout most of his career. You look at 2021, below 200 average against both breaking balls and off-speed pitches. That just never been an area where he's really thrived and that's why his strikeout numbers are so high his whiff percentage in 2023 on breaking balls 38.6 percent on off speed pitches 37 percent so this is a guy that swings through a lot of those types of pitches and that's an area that he has to improve in but he's still someone because now we're going to talk about the pros 
he's still someone, even with those flaws, still an upgrade over the D-backs' current situation. Because let's talk about the pros of Suarez. Because if you just want to look at the D-backs' situation last year, D-backs' third baseman, 2023, 234 average, 303 OBP, 340 slugging, 75 WRC+, 10 home runs, 64, rib- 64 ribbies, and a .5 F4. Just pedestrian numbers at best. Third base was a black hole for the D-backs in 2023. Evan Longoria was projected to come in, be that veteran, be that power platoon bat. He did provide some pop early in the season. Bat fell off big time as the season went along. Ice cold in the postseason. Perdomo played mostly shortstop this past year, so he didn't affect third base too much as opposed to what he did in 2022. Manny Rivera, hot start to the season. He cooled off considerably. And then it's like after that, who else did the D-backs really have at third base? Uh, Jace Peterson. uh, Buddy Kendi probably got a little run at third base last year. Like D-backs third base was awful. It was basically an automatic out in the lineup, and that's not going to be the case in 2023 with a Suarez because Suarez or excuse me in 2024 with a Suarez because Suarez in 23 232 average 323 OBP 391 slugging the slash line is not dramatically different than what the D-backs put up in 2023 but the slugging is a lot better for Suarez and when you look at the WRC plus 102 for Suarez compared to 75 for the D-backs third baseman last year major upgrade double the amount of home runs and the war 0.5 0.5 F4 for D-backs third baseman last year, 3.2 F4 for Suarez this past season. So basically triple or more than triple the amount, what is that, five times the quintuple the amount of war compared to D-backs third baseman 2023. So Suarez, by the numbers, statistically major upgrade over what the D-backs were already throwing out at third base this past season. Even though the home runs were down for Suarez, when you look at the hard contact stats, still massive, still 90 mile an hour exit velocity, still over 40% hard contact rate. Like, even though the over the fence power wasn't there, you still saw the doubles. You still had 20 plus home runs. And I believe in Chase Field, I think it's a little bit better of a hitter's ballpark than what the Mariners have. I think we could see those power numbers go way back up for Suarez. He's still very good against fastballs, crushes fastballs, even though he struggles against breaking and off-speed pitches, really good against the fastball. And last year, had one of the best defensive seasons he's ever had in his career. Defensive metrics, love Suarez from last year. D-backs third baseman last year were fine. They were solid. But Evan Longoria, definitely not as rangy as he used to be at near 40 years of age, like we don't expect him to be, right? Suarez... 31 going on 32. It's not like he's the youngest guy, but he's also not old. And coming off a good defensive season, I think should really help this D-backs defense overall, which we know is their calling call, calling card. Uh, excuse me there. Way cheaper compared to the free agent options. Like when you look at Matt Chapman and the Candelarios and the Turners, like those guys are probably going to get 13 to 18 million a year. Um during free agency this past season, uh, that's probably what their projected salaries were going to be between 13 and 18 million. Maybe a guy like Matt Chapman could even get closer to a 20 million. But 
that would have just been so expensive. Like you would have had to give a Chapman like a four year deal, probably a Candelaria a four year deal. Maybe Turner gets only a one or two year deal, but you probably would have had to give him a higher annual salary considering it was a shorter deal. So for Suarez, only one more year of guaranteed money and then a team option. So if he doesn't work out in 2024, you can move on and upgrade the position again next year. Or if he does work out and has a, ma- a massive bounce back season, you could pick up that team option and then bring him back for 2025. And he's a lot cheaper than the Chapmans and the Candelarios. He's on a shorter term deal, so you can still upgrade in the future. I just think trading for Suarez was probably a lot smarter of a move than signing one of those free agent third basemen who you would have had to overpay for. And to be honest, is there that much of a difference between a Chapman, a Candelario, a Justin Turner as compared to a Suarez? Probably not. They're probably all the same tier of players. So I would rather give Suarez his... He's making like $11 million in 2024. I'd rather give him $11 million for a one-year deal than Matt Chapman, $18 million a year for the next four seasons. And Suarez, he's always available. 162 games played last year. He's routinely at between 145 and like 155 games every single season. This is a guy that doesn't get hurt. This is a guy that is always healthy. And I think the D-backs gave up absolutely nothing to acquire him. Carlos Vargas is someone that has struggled on every level. He's a flamethrower. He can hit 99 on both his sinker and fastball, but walks a ton of dudes, gives up a lot of runs. He's just not someone that's really panned out, and he gave up a backup catcher as well. Like I think the assets that the D-backs gave up, such a smart move. You gave up no one they feel good about long-term, and you get to acquire a power-hitting, good glove third baseman who's cheaper than the options in free agency just a perfect move by Mike Hazen and this D-backs front office D-backs still have a lot of work to do this free agency but third base is at least locked in now I still want to bring back a Lords Goriel or Tommy Pham because I just don't think you can trust 162 games of just McCarthy Thomas and Corbin Carroll from an offensive standpoint, I mean, of course you could trust Corbin Carroll, right? But I don't know if I could trust McCarthy and Thomas to provide me enough offense in the outfield for a full season. So I would like to bring back a Lords Gurriel or a Tommy Pham for that reason and add one more bat on top of that. I still want like an everyday DH, like a J.D. Martinez or something who can just be an offensive monster house in our DH spot or bring in someone like a Brandon Jury who can be a complimentary offensive bat, but can also play everywhere defensively, platoon for you, shortstop, third base, outfield, like bring in someone like that. And of course, another starting pitcher. So first big domino for the D-backs this offseason. They're off to a good start. I can't wait to see what else Mike Hazen has cooking up this offseason. And if you think the D-backs improved their chances to win the World Series in 2024 with the Suarez trade, then why not go place a little bet on D-backs futures on FanDuel? Because score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. My favorite thing to do on FanDuel is the same-game parlay. 
whenever I see the Lakers are playing. Give me a LeBron over on points, D'Lo over on threes, and the Lakers money line. And when that thing hits, it just warms my soul. So visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Back here with Javier Reyes for a little crossover with Locked On Padres. Sir, what award is next? The next award, the next award is the best. I'm, I'm going to call it right now the Pac-Man Award for the yeah, best Pac-Man. smile. And anybody who's watching the video, look at that smile. Look at it. It's so good. The wow. best smile. Pretty, pretty simple. Um, and this award is going to, it can only go to two people as far as I'm concerned. I'm curious to see okay. who you say, but um, I'm doing this. Not going to lie. Look, Miller, this was your mistake. You let me come up with the awards. It is going <laughs> to my friend, my beloved Jerks and Profar of the San Diego Padres, oh formerly of the Colorado Rockies and oh formerly of the A's and formerly of the Texas Rangers, but back where he belongs with the Padres. And coincidentally, Padres started playing well right when he got back. Just just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. Um, just just such a, a great one. Um, and my honorable mention would be that guy in Seattle is pretty great and has had my mom a couple times just go, who's that? Uh, so that's all you have to know about Julio Rodriguez. So shouts to him as well. Man, the only award Profar is ever going to win in his career. Best <laughs> award behind Maria. Shout out to Profar. Didn't even think we were going to discuss him on today's pod. Shout out to you, Javi, for <laughs> sneaking him in today's pod. But I'll go a little homer as well on this one for best mile because this is the one where I'm not watching every team. And, you know, the, the only time I'm watching other teams is when my D-backs are smashing them into the ground. So I don't see too many smiles on opposing players' faces. So I'm going with a homer pick here because this guy, he brought so much energy when he was acquired from the Toronto Blue Jays. He's got the purple hair flowing. His mm-hmm. energy has been immaculate for the D-backs this season. I'm going with Lords Gurriel Jr., who has been so good, so impactful for the D-backs. And I truly believe that energy, that infectious positive energy he had at the beginning of the season was a huge catalyst to why the D-backs started off to a really good record. So I'm going with the hometown pick, Lords Gurriel. Best smile in the game, baby. I wish I had a photo of it. Hey, uh, love it. I think that you are correct in this pick. Uh, He was good. And he was especially good to start, too, for the D-backs. Like, you guys had a lot of these players that just chaotic team. Chaotic team. And and I don't mean that in a bad way. Just, like, hitters. You know, like, just pure people who just know how to hit the damn ball. You know what I mean? Just for for lack of a better uh, descriptor. Like, really good stuff for him. And, yeah, he went homer. It's okay, though. Because I I went homer, too, so I can't complain. Yeah. the next award i'm gonna call it right now i didn't come up with a name beforehand let's call it the 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 the, um i don't know the the arian foster award for best uh script best storyline uh for those who don't know arian foster jokingly about like a year ago said that there's a script for the nfl games (laughs) like because they want to have a good story and ratings um best storyline for me for the year um anyone who follows my podcast knows that i preach this a lot I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but I genuinely believe that it is an awesome storyline that a team that had some of the worst record, uh, the worst record in the sport, not just last year, but the year before went out 
and spent a lot of money. They also had good prospects too, don't get me wrong, but they coupled that with spending and they won the whole damn thing. That is the Texas Rangers. Uh, I just think that it's a really good moment for the sport and a good reminder that yes, you need the, you need the farm. Absolutely. Absolutely need the farm. That's how you fill out the edges. That's how you have depth. That's how you have different matchup solutions. That's helped the D backs as well, but you need to take some shots because you get Corey Seager. Not to bring any PTSD for you or anything, but you get players like that. You get players like Marcus Simeon. You get players like John Gray, frankly. You get players like Nate Ivaldi, right? Jordan Montgomery, making moves, being aggressive. That's how you win unless you're the Royals that one year. So I think that was the best sport storyline this year. What do you think? Yeah, I was actually going to piggyback off that a little bit with mine because I was going to say the battle of the AL West just for the division, just because I love seeing all those teams and the the podcast hosts for those teams. Like that division just gets spicy with everyone involved. So I was going to pick the battle of the AL West, but since you already did a little Texas, I'll just transition it real quick. I'll go with the whole attaboy storyline with the dude from that one podcast. Okay. I'm going all the other stuff. I don't even know what the whole beef was, to be honest. But that dude, Jake, he was getting ripped on WB Network. And everyone had to apologize to yeah. him. D-backs fans got to say boy to Harper. Like, there was just a lot of fun stuff going on. It was all during peak MLB baseball season, during the postseason. Like, we're not even focused on the games. We're talking about some reporter and what he was saying to a player. Like, I don't even know what we were discussing. It was so much <laughs> off-the-field garbage. But somehow, that's baseball for you. We care more about some of these off-the-field storylines with journalists uh, as opposed to just covering the athletes on the field. So that's why it's the best storyline. Because once again, it's baseball just getting in front of themselves during the postseason. It's so, And it's like the off-field stuff that we probably should care about won't be discussed. Instead, it'll be yeah. like whatever her face is on MLB Network just trashing a reporter for like no reason like it's just like what's going on you remember that whole thing oh my god really really messy we don't have to get too deep into that but hey great pick that was a wild story and and i was also tempted in terms of like the bad side of baseball to to, to bring up the the braves like cry baby like like still in their underwear and tidy whiteys fan base you know what i mean yeah. complaining like nonstop. their media complaining nonstop. their pitchers complain like it was insane i was like y'all lost one game and you're crying already anyway we had too much rest um so yeah i agree that those that those are great storylines too next award let's keep it moving a little bit the worst person you know award mm-hmm. uh, for those who don't know the meme from the onion uh the headline saying uh tragedy the worst person you know actually made a good point. Uh, this award is for the most admittedly awesome thing that a division rival had going for them. So I can't say anything about any other team except for the Dimebacks, Giants, Rockies, or Dodgers. And it's obvious here. I hate being nice to this kid. You should see off camera. I like mock him. I say how untalented he is. I say just how much of a disgrace he is to the Diamondbacks. But uh, most admittedly awesome thing. Worst person you know award. It's the D-backs making the World Series. And it's not, it's fr- frankly, it's not close. But for Padres fans, don't worry. They also took out the Dodgers on the way there. So yeah. it was great. You know what I mean? It was so funny. The same fan base that loves, they'll probably find a way into the, the comments of this video. They love tweeting at me every now and then. Not all the time, but every now and then in comments and every time anything happens. And then y'all think you you prance around, look at us. We have the best record. And then you get swept by Tommy Pham and company in three games. I don't want to hear it. You can't have every single year a walk into the postseason and you blow it to 
Howie Kendrick of the Washington Nationals, the Cardinals like three times, the Giants and their old players, and a dude named Hunter Pence who had the weirdest swing ever. You guys find a way to choke constantly, and the D-backs not only beat them, because let's be honest, everyone's beat them. That's not that unique. But then continuing it, you also beat the Brewers, and then you went to the World Series. You beat the Phillies after everyone fell in love with them. Mm-hmm. including me i'm not gonna lie i thought that it would have been fun if they were the world series but it was really cool that they just fought right through that they said hey it ain't over you know what i mean stop celebrating and boom they made the world series so that's the worst person you know award winner for me and that's the way you ended that perfectly parlays into my pick to be honest Javi, mm. because my worst person is not even someone from the locked on network not even someone who plays for a major league baseball team but someone who covers major league baseball i'm actually going with the man who most people think probably has a hundred percent q score i'm going with jeff passing javier reyes and that's after game Whoa. five Yes, I'm going with Jeff Passan. After game five of the NLCS, he had the most disrespectful tweet I've ever seen. When the D-backs oh. lost game five to the Philadelphia Phillies, he was like, this one is over, guys. The D-backs fans are doing the wave. We're going back yeah. to Philadelphia, and the Phillies are going to the World Series. Completely uh-huh. disregarding the D-backs, who were called the answer backs all season because of their resilience. Has their ability to come back in tough spots. What did the D-backs do in game six and game seven in Philadelphia? They took it to the Phillies, and Jeff Passan had egg all over his face for it. Maybe Mad Dog Russo is actually that. the right answer for this because he said he was going to retire. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> that was amazing too, yeah. <laughs> but Jeff Passan, he's a real baseball journalist. He actually cares about the game. The fact that he said that hurt more than anything Mad Dog Russo said. I don't care what Chris, but That's, Jeff Passan yeah. saying it hurt my soul. That is funny, and it's funny because that's been like Passant's bit for a while is making fun of the wave. I don't get it. Only in baseball is this a discourse. Only in baseball is a celebration of people going like this, like an opinion. It's like people who think they're so interesting when they say is a hot dog a sandwich. Like that's the only thing they know how to debate. It's like, all right, dude, like – seventh grade called they want their sense of humor back right like let's just like what, what are we doing here um and i think that's what passes gets uh gets caught up in with that but um yeah man uh love it you you beat the 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 wave allegations i guess yeah. <laughs> so that's you. a really and good honestly, one. what if we brought waves to all sports so yeah nba game twelve thousand, fifteen thousand fans doing the wave like let's get it started come on yeah man absolutely um next next up um mm-hmm. is the Aptly named, I think the best named. It is the Mookie Betts Award for the worst GM move of the yeah. year. Um, yes, that is still the worst trade. Uh, my yeah. winner for this, it's actually tough. Um, first of all, I dare I say, still the Mookie Betts trade. <laughs> it's still the Mookie, every year. It's still, still Mookie Betts. Yeah, yeah. I was I like second MVP. <laughs> um, I'm going to say for this one, and it was tough for me. But I'm going to say the Orioles with Jack Flaherty. Um, oh, interesting. It was close. My other one was the Angels deciding to buy. In general, what is actually worse is the Angels because they gave up a lot of prospects and Otani might walk, right? But for me, I'm going to say Orioles because I think it just is such a showcase of the problem with baseball where this team that has had the best season literally since like 04 is on pace for 100 wins. They win 100 games in a crowded division. And then your big deadline move is a guy whose arm is just gone at this point. I feel for him. Jack Flaherty, too many injuries. I just feel like, how is it that 
that other teams made bigger moves at the deadline with starting pitching. I know that wasn't the most stacked starting pitching at the deadline, but I'm just saying it's weird. Like, why didn't you start talking to the White Sox? You know, maybe I just I would have liked to see something more aggressive. And I'd be careful, folks, because the owner of the damn team in the middle of this historic season is like, yeah, don't get too attached to the players. In the you're saying that already? Like that's crazy. So that's why I think it, it might hurt them more. But uh I think that in reality it's still probably the Angels, but I don't know. I'm a hater. And if you're an Orioles fan, you just saw what the D-backs did. Are you like, how do we not try to get more aggressive with this young mm-hmm. team that won 100 plus games? Like exactly. you should always maximize whatever window you have. And maybe the and Orioles were ahead of schedule, but <laughs> they have yeah. no budget. They're even lower than you guys. They're at like the 30 million. Like you have plenty of room to make moves. You could swing and a miss and be fine. Uh, you they could sign Anthony Rendona, they'd be fine, even if he was terrible, like oh, they'd God. be okay. But maybe that's didn't. the worst oh. move <laughs> just retroactively give it the yeah. Anthony Rendon signing every single yeah. season. Remember when he um, yelled at the fan or grabbed the yeah. fan? Yeah, that was that was weird. That was that was that was like week two of the MLB season. We need a wacko <laughs> award, that's that'll be for yeah. next year. Yeah, and Javi and I got a few more awards and superlatives to hand out to these MLB stars. But before we get there, I first have to tell our listeners about this new thing that Locked On has just launched, the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Um, my guy here, I went a little bit chalk on this one. I'm going with the signing from the offseason that everyone thought was going to be the mm-hmm. worst signing, and it turned out to be true. Jacob DeGrom to the Texas Rangers. Again, oh, not mean. because of <laughs> you're mean, of talent, but I was looking at it again. I was like, damn, he's like a top three highest paid mm-hmm. player in baseball. Yeah. He's going to be 35 years of age, and he already year one couldn't finish the season after the last few years really struggling with health. Like I just don't know how it gets better outside of DeGrom just staying healthy. And I think he's shown us enough at this point, like that's a bad bet. So Texas Rangers fans should still feel good. You still got a world series ring under your belt. Maybe the next three years could be a little bit of a disaster. I doubt that. I don't think DeGrom would derail this whole situation, but I think you already have to look at DeGrom as like, Bad deal, bad contract, and just already bite the bullet and take that as a loss. You already got your World Series ring. You already know you could win it without the ground. So I think you just look at him as like just a side piece off to the side that if he ever comes back and plays well, then just the little cherry on top to what you already have cooking in Texas. Yeah, you could hope. And like you said, at least they still won. You know what I mean? Like they still didn't end up winning. Uh, it, it did stink, but hey, uh, you go for it sometimes. You're going to miss. Um, I get it, though probably up there it hurts but at least it won't hurt them as much as others um next award go is the the let's call it the i guess i'll do a movie reference again why not the rise of skywalker award for the biggest disappointment um this season or i'm sorry i'm sorry not i i jumped the gun we'll have to go back but for biggest disappointment um millard what do you got this one's pretty straightforward yeah i would 
went with a team here, not a player. And I just went with the St. Louis Cardinals, who I think entering mm-hmm. the year, like when you looked at all the divisions that had to pick winners, I, like the Cardinals were like maybe the biggest lock of any team to win their division entering the year. And then they were like five and 25 and were like, okay, it's still early. They're going to turn it around. They still got Arenado. He is going to get going. You still got the reigning MVP. They just never got it going. Rotation, super old. This offseason, it seems like they're only getting older. Actually, the rotation might got younger with a Kyle Gibson signing at age 36. Who knows? I don't really like any of their young guys with the Brendan Donovans and all these other dudes who we try to make work, who just doesn't. I like Paul Goldschmidt. I like Nolan Arenado. Arenado coming off a down season, I think could be a perfect buy-low candidate for another team. So I think the Cardinals are just in a weird place right now. And I just think they just have themselves a terrible season and probably the most disappointing season in baseball. But, hey, I, I think you you might have a little case over there. I want to hear what you got to say. Yeah, I mean, I have to answer the Padres. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not even going to, like, do any buildup. Um, on top of, I mean, the Mets are the other team as well, but I'm going to pick Padres. All the spending, all the hype, trading for Soto, signing Xander Bogarts, and for you to be that unclutch just all season. And they didn't even need to do that much. You know what I mean? Like all they had to do is be okay. Couldn't even do that. Uh, so it's the Padres and the fact that it, we're seeing the consequences of that with the payroll reduction. It's the Padres for me for most disappointing. Absolutely. Um, you guys were, you guys got a pretty close like that final month and like the final six weeks, you guys like, made it a real race. It was like, there was like one series in September against the D backs or like late August. So I was yeah. like, Padres go in and take like two out of three or sweep us like they're gonna jump us in the division which yeah. would have been crazy and then they had like two straight like awful losses where Josh yeah. didn't want to pitch for some reason um yeah, really weird I jumped the gun before um that that's my bad but the Billy Bean award for the best GM move oh so we did worst GM move now we got to do best GM move uh pretty straightforward um this one there was a lot of good moves this year uh mm-hmm. but I'm gonna go with and I know there's probably others that had more overall consequence, but I'm going to go with Louisa Rise to the Marlins. Okay. Um, Kim Ang and company killed it. Um, absolutely. I think it says a lot, frankly, about our sport and sports that she is out of a job somehow after Insane. this is the first time they made the playoffs since I believe 03. And I think their manager also, <laughs> who just won manager of the year. Now, I think it says a lot about the sport and it also says a lot about the Marlins. I mean, be very clear. I, I think that that plays a part in this, too. That's a, uh, a unserious organization. I love that phrase. I think it's great. Um, mm. Luis Arise, it's a gutsy move. Pablo Lopez is a good pitcher. You didn't just give up some random prospects that you know what they're going to be. And he was the batting guy. Uh, absolutely incredible with the bat. And he was huge for them, like really clutch really helped that team like you could see on a night in night out basis wasn't the only move Jorge Soler had a good season his Starling Marte a rental they traded him to get Hazel Cesardo who was a great pitcher for them this year right like a lot of nice bullpen moves the Jake Berger and former Padre Josh Bell move that helped a lot but I'm gonna go with um, Luis Arise because that was a full season thing and it's such a classic old timer player you know what I mean the type of player that yeah. you'll hear on part of the interruption getting praised and no one does it like they used to Arise is how you should do it right so I'm gonna give it to the Marlins uh, for Luis Arise yeah for all the the batting average truthists out there right Luis Arise is your king and it, it's funny you bring up Kim and uh do you say her last name Ng? Ang Ang like okay. Avatar Ang Ang okay yeah because I bring her up at least once a pod just because I think it's Honestly, disgusting that she's not the the executive yeah. there over there, uh, with the Marlins anymore. Because 
I kind of I didn't say uh, I didn't pick a specific move, but I said the Marlins deadline was the best GM move um, for my award because I thought mm-hmm. the Marlins had the best deadline of any team for Kim to go yeah. out there and pick up. We knew this Marlins team had great pitching, but the offense was always that area where they needed to improve. He went out there. He got Jake Berger from the Chicago White Sox yeah, who they have players like Eloy mm-hmm. and Tim Anderson and all these other dudes you might mm-hmm. thought would have got moved. It was great Jake point, Berger yeah. who she identified who smashed like a 900 OPS and like monster yeah. power with a Josh Bell too who was kind of middling then got picked up mm-hmm. and was just on fire for the Marlins. Like I think from start to finish off season to the end of the regular season. And the fact that she picked a new manager who was manager of the year. I think Kim was the executive of the year for any franchise this past season. I mean, yeah, she was incredible. And like you said, it's crazy. It's disgusting that she's out of a job. Um, The last award Millard, arguably my favorite, Um, the power of the dog award. This is another movie reference for the most forgettable team. Uh, this is a shot at the artsy fartsy jerks out there. Um, it's I called that movie Power of the Nap. I think it will not be discussed literally ever again because um, I, I also don't think it's a very good movie, but it's a critical darling. Um, most forgettable team. I think it's Pittsburgh Pirates. I feel like this <laughs> team has been a perpetual Damn, rebuild for like 100 years. And they didn't do anything, and they extended Brian Reynolds, and Brian Reynolds is, he's not overrated. His trade discourse was overrated. Like, he was being treated like Mickey Mantle. They were like, they want a Soto-like pack. What are you talking about, bro? And he's a fine player. He's a fine player. I think like a 120-ish WRC Plus this year. Like, he's fine. Decent defender. He's the type of player that will fit on every team because he can play basically all over the place. And was I right? 110 WRC plus, actually. So maybe I might just say, frankly, overrated, right? <laughs> maybe maybe I could say that. But even still, he's a fine player. But after all that, uh, and part of this is injuries, right? Like they did have some rough injuries specifically to O'Neill Cruz. That stunk. But I just feel like I heard nothing about them all year. So let me give it to the Pirates. Hey, I don't mind that at all. Cabrian Hayes, I'm tired of hearing about him. Yeah, maybe he has elite defense, but when is that bat ever going to come yeah. around? I don't know. The, this Pirates team, I agree, very forgettable. Sorry, Lockdown Pirates host Ethan Smith. But for me, I'm taking a little bit of an even meaner approach here. I'm going with a team that is literally going to be forgettable because they're going to be out the sport. The Oakland Oh, A's, no! Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm no. sorry. I'm going to remember the bottom five in attendance and the bottom five in payroll every year and the team that never gets past the wild card division round. Like, what is there to remember? They never do anything in the postseason. They never spend money. People don't go to those games. They never have that interesting of, of talent. Whenever they do get good talent, they trade them away immediately as soon as it's time to start paying them. So it's like, what is there to remember from the Oakland A's? Outside of, if literally money ball was never made, would we ever speak about Billy Bean or the Oakland A's Ever like would we ever have a discussion about them? I think they're. I think the only discussion would be what we always say, right? They just don't spend. Um, I think passing. Your boy had the best tweet about this since John Fisher bought the A's in 2005. Their year-end payrolls have ranked, and this is for all the people who'd say, "Oh, well, they just don't have the money," or "Well, nobody shows up to games." You know why? 2005 to to 2023. 19th, 19th, 18th, 27th, 27th, 26th, 23rd, 30th, 27th, 23rd, 26th, 27th, 28th, 28th, 26th, 26th, 24th, 30th, 30th. A lot of those years, they were a playoff team and they still refused to spend. It is not because people didn't care about Oakland A's baseball. They did. This is the place that gave us Ricky Henderson. 
for God's sake. Heck, they gave us Jose Consenco, for God's sake. Like, they have fans and they've won championships before. Their owner has actively destroyed that team. And I don't know if that makes them forgettable. I think it makes them like a tragedy, frankly, <laughs> in a lot of ways. But uh, like, I really think that that emphasizes it also. Again, not to get on my high horse again and then my, you know, gossip column, but keep that in mind whenever you hear people start saying, oh, well, they just don't have the money. And oh, well, no one shows up. There's a reason why people don't show up. Right. And I feel for the fans of Oakland losing the Raiders and now losing the A's. Whew, rough. Yeah. Absolutely rough. If you did a Rorschach, Rorschach, I don't even know how to pronounce that. But if you did like a Rorschach test with, uh, you, you know, what Rorschach I'm test, yeah, <laughs> Rorschach, you know what I'm saying over there, Javi. If you did one of those with, like, I love Watchmen, yeah, under, yeah, you did that with like people under 25, and you're like, what's the first thing you think of when you think of Oakland A's? People might say like Brad Pitt or something. Like the first thing you think of with the Oakland A's for like youngsters yeah. might not be any player, it might not be Ricky Henderson. Like it might be Brad Pitt and what he did. It might be like a Jonah Hill or something. So when that is the case. <laughs> Um, it's not good. And hopefully I think Vegas could reignite that whole thing with Oakland and uh or not Oakland with the A's because they're no longer going to be in Oakland. So most forgettable team, a team that will no longer be around going forward. Sorry. And that's it. Rip. I don't know. And shy rap. I don't know who rap. Yeah, that's it. That's it, folks. Those are the superlative awards. We went a little bit longer than I think we expected, but hopefully everybody had fun. Um Miller, what do you got on the horizon? um thanksgiving you know going to be eating good we got a big feast this was a long pod we'll see if we break it up into two <laughs> pods you don't know if we'll do that but on the horizon just of course hot stove talk right who else wants to talk about anything else but yamamoto and shohei otani where they're going right now absolutely man same here gonna be talking hopefully soon with Lisa and brown of lockdown rays everyone tune into that for tyler glass now trade uh discourse Ooh. so that should be a lot of fun and otherwise yeah gonna be enjoying thanksgiving and some good old pecan pie. Love that. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, Shout out so everyone yeah. who listened. Go follow us on all our socials at Career Times 24 for me, at Javi Peno for Javier on Twitter, Locked on Padres, Locked on Dimebacks on YouTube, and of course, wherever you stream platforms. Until next time, whenever that is, maybe a little, maybe a little pre Christmas crossover, Javier Reyes. Ooh. Until then, doses. <laughs>